Jeff, we are back with an emergency bonus episode now to preview the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina University. Why couldn't this game get scheduled and played before I moved away from South Carolina? Yeah, I mean that would have made that would have made a, a big difference for you. You could have bought one of the tickets. I think they're going at like five hundred bucks a pop right now. But uh, more than 25% capacity, I don't know what that means, but that's what they've said. They're shooting for more than 25%. Does that mean like 27%? Does that mean 75%? I don't know. But more than 25% fan capacity is the goal. You could have been there, man. You could have been one of the more than 25%. You know, and even with like it being on such short notice, I don't know that, you know, maybe we could have tried to pull some strings and gotten a credential from 24 seven or something like it's true, you know, cause it's, I don't think there's a ton of people chomping at the bit to get down to Conway, South Carolina for how far away is Conway from like Myrtle beach 10 minutes. Like it's a suburb of Myrtle beach. Oh, okay. So like Myrtle beach is a destination, right? It's a destination. If you want to get an STD. Is people call it, it's, the, it's the dirty Myrtle. Gross. <laughs> like, well, like it is not the family beach. It is the spring break beach. Huh. Well, maybe that's um, shows where my head has been, I guess. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. So from Conway down to the waterfront, it's like 15 miles inland. So it's, okay. yeah, it's in the Myrtle Beach area. Um, one concern that I have going into this game. And this is an important concern. It's maybe the most important concern that I have. Like, this is the one thing that I hope gets addressed by BYU and, and Coastal and ESPN. Uh, afternoon games on that teal field kind of feels like you're watching in black and white. Like, I don't know what it is with the shading of the uniforms, the, the, the teal turf. It feels like you're watching a game in black and white. What I learned yesterday, and I didn't actually know this, someone said that apparently Boise State owns the trademark for non-natural colored artificial turf. Boise Boise sucks. So when Eastern Washington, so really we can blame Boise State for Eastern Washington's red field, which is the worst field in all of football. The, The second worst field is Boise State's blue I think behind that is the, I, you know, in front of that, I would say is the teal because it's kind of a greenish color. And then I don't know if you've ever watched an Eastern Michigan game. Yeah, the gray. Oh, the, the gray is like, it's ugly, but it's just there. Like it doesn't hurt watching it. Like it doesn't yeah. scorch your eyes. Like, right. And it's just there. Although it is kind of annoying with it when they wear gray uniforms, but if they wear their green, like Eastern Michigan wears their green jerseys on the gray field, it's whatever. It looks fine. Um, but yeah, I did not realize that Boise State is the rights holder of all non-green turf and has to approve any school that wants to put it in. So if you needed another reason to hate Boise State, there you go. Just add that to the list. I think that is like probably reason number, I don't know, we got to be up north of like 7,500 now. So it, it's up there. But yeah, so I hope that this game, and we're, we're starting to see this morning a little bit of the... um a little bit of the groundwork that ESPN, they've moved some Mac games around. This game's going to end up, I think, in a primetime slot on ESPN. Maybe not that six o'clock slot, but probably in the afternoon. 
no. dating into the evening. I think it gets there. Because they've already bumped it. So they have already bumped it once. It was, they bumped it from five, for, well, it was noon Eastern. It was a Eastern, noon game. Yeah. 1230 Eastern. And they bumped it to 530 Eastern. And, but it's still on ESPNU. The other games around there. So on ESPN2 and ESPN have 230 kicks. We have Tulsa at Navy on ESPN2 and West Virginia, Iowa State on ESPN. And then the night games are, Oregon Cal starts at six uh, on ESPN. And then they're actually, I don't know what's on ESPN two, but they don't have anything on ESPN two. So it could get slid into the six o'clock slot on ESPN two and go head to head with uh, Clemson, Virginia tech. On, um, Clemson. I think it gets there. I think it does. And I think that BYU will push for that and it will all be in the name of, Hey, uh, we're traveling last minute let's give our guys as much time as we can on Saturday to right. get comfortable. And cause I think the, it gets there. Yeah. Cause the, after the game after on ESPN, U was supposed to be Houston at SMU and that's got canceled. So I think there's likely another cancellation or I don't even know. Yeah. I'm not even sure what was supposed to be on. Oh, network was never set for Miami at wake forest. That's probably what was supposed to be the ESPN two. Yeah, slot yep. at six thirty, opposite of Clemson, Vautech, uh, or Oregon in Oregon Cal. Um, so I would, you know, I could see. I think it'll get bumped up to ESPN two. I don't see them shifting Oregon at Cal to be off of that. I don't either. I mean, what's on unless, ABC? What are the ABC games? The ABC, the ABC, the early ABC game is Indiana. Not that Wisconsin, I think is Indiana Wisconsin, and then okay. the primetime game is Clemson Virginia Tech. I'm telling you, man, I think this, I don't know. I don't think this ends up on ABC, but I, I could see this get moved around and ending up on ESPN. Yeah. I, I think it could end up on ESPN two at a minimum, just cause there's nothing else around there or, you know, I don't know between bumping. I know it's like a weird, but every, I don't know. think there's anybody that has ESPN that doesn't have ESPN two. And I, I know think they're, a, yeah, I think they're married all the time. Right. Now. And so I think, you know, when people talk about like, oh, ratings are higher on ESPN, I think that's usually because they just put better games on ESPN. That's a function of game selection, not of Correct. game availability. So I don't know that they would bump, you know, I don't know that would bump Oregon to for it, but it's, I mean, they could, but I think it's, I, I could see it getting moved onto ESPN too. With, with game day being there, I feel like, if this were just, you know, if this were uh, a regular, you know, October game and I mean, all things were equal. No, even, even with the national rankings, I don't think this were, would move a game like Oregon, but with game day being there with all of the, the momentum, I guess, I don't know what the word is, but with, with everything that ESPN has put behind defending BYU to the college football playoff committee. You can count on several segments of game day focusing on BYU being disrespected. I, I think there's a lot of reason behind the scenes for ESPN to push to get this into as much of a primetime game as they can. And that might mean bumping Oregon. I, I could see that happening just given, given what they what the circumstances are here on December 5th with these right. games. I mean, they've already sold the ad space. So it depends on if they think they will get more eyeballs for this game than the, than the Oregon game, because right. you know, they've already sold the space and it's going to change things. So let me see if, 
Has a line gone up for this yet? Um, no. I've seen people talking about 10, 10 and a half, but I've been trying to, you know, take BYU on a 10 and a half point line and I can't find anywhere to lay my money down yet. So as of 923, I still don't have access to bet. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think that is that, I mean, this actually, we should have known that this game was going to be canceled and we talked about this yesterday on our show we did. That, that they pulled down the lines. And as soon as they pulled down the lines, like, you know, it's done. The goose is cooked. They're not, if people aren't taking money on it anymore, they always know things. I don't know how they know things, but they know. Um, <laughs> if, but, you wanna, so, if you want to dig into the cabal, start digging in Vegas. I don't know right. how, I don't know what they do, but something's there. They, so I think, um, you know, with it all, they are, I mean, it's, this is definitely the best team that BYU has faced this season, right? Like, so Boise, um, they are better than Boise. Uh, I think they are much better offensively than defensively, also similar to Boise. Um, but it's, you know, if we just look at everything that's going on, you know, we are, um, you know, they were in the top 10 and pretty much everything. And they're in the teens, right? Like they're still a very good team and the travel will be somewhat affected. We do, we have, you know, some more rest. I don't know if you got injury updates. I think the two big key injury updates that people care about are Lopini Katoa and Tyler Batty. Do we have an update on them? Um, Batty should play. I have not heard anything on Lopini. So I need to, uh, I need to, to dig into that. I haven't really thought much about it because I knew he would be ready for San Diego state, but now that there's a game before San Diego state, I guess that is a question that needs to be addressed. Right. So, um, you know, they, so that is something to be addressed, but even then they struggle, um, they struggle in their rush defense and they give up a lot of yards. They give up a ton of yards on the ground when they played Louisiana. They give up a ton of yards on the ground when they played App State. And I expect our offensive line to open big holes. And I expect Tyler Algier to have a monster, monster game. And he's going to be heavily relied on. Um, their pass defense is, I mean, it's still there good, but they are a much better offensive team than a defensive team. Um, so I just They're really up. good. They're really good pass defense. What I what I think the biggest reason I agree with you hundred percent. This is a game. A lot of people are going to look at Zach Wilson and don't don't make make any you know mistake about it. Zach Wilson's going to have opportunities to make some big plays, and I think those will happen. But on a short week with a limited preparation, the easiest thing to do is to rely on your bread and butter. And BYU's bread and butter is a dominant offensive line and Tyler Algier just wrecking people on defense. And that happens to coincide with the weakness of Coastal's defense is that rush defense. So I think that those two things are going to combine to a, a game plan that really is oriented more around Algier to this week than it is around Wilson. I still think Wilson's going to have a great stat line at the end of the game, but it's going to be predicated on the run. You're going to see more Zach Wilson in play action or in RPOs than just traditional. Okay. He's going to drop back. And, and find Gunner on a slap, a slant route or find Milne down the sideline. His passing is going to come from, um, from what he, what, what BYU does on the running with the running game. It's not an establish the run thing. We've talked about that. We don't, be, we don't believe saying. in that phrase. We don't believe that's in a that dumb phrase. saying, but this will be a run first game, not because they have to establish the run because the run is what's going to win this game is, is rushing the football. 
Right. And it's, I mean, so looking at some kind of advanced numbers, I pulled up the SP plus and uh, the FEI, um, you know, from over at football outsiders. So in SP plus, uh, you know, BYU is a 22.6 and coastal is rated at an 11. So that puts with a home field advantage for the Shannon clears that puts BYU at about a nine point favorite, which is around what I expect the line to open up at. Um, we BYU has the number seven offense and the number 17 defense coastal has the number 19 offense and the number 48 defense. So they're still a very good team being top 50 in both offense and defense. Um, and very they are, good team. and they're ranked number 25 overall. Um, you now flip over to, and we're number seven overall flip over to FEI. We're number four with the number four offense and the number 13 defense. So, Take that, all you Elisa Tuiaki haters. And <laughs> Coastal is ranked higher in FEI at number 16 um, with the 11th ranked offense and the 40, uh, 30th ranked defense. So they're still, in pretty much every system, it's their defense is still solid, but it is not anywhere near as efficient as their offense is. And so that will be a test for, um, you know, that will be a test for our defense as that will be, the best offense we have faced to date um, yep. this season. And, you know, it's. And, and for people that are, are, are hearing this, and we're talking about coastal Carolina, right? I mean, this is the fifth year that they've been in the FBS. I think it's natural to think, well, yeah, coastal has great stats because they haven't played anybody. But keep in mind, BYU schedule and coastal schedule is very, very similar this year. So the stats, while they may not be super comparative to the SEC, you know, like it, it's very, very possible that Tennessee has a better defense than Coastal Carolina, even though they're going to rank lower. When it comes to schedule strength, Sagarin has BYU at 106 and Coastal at 107. Like the the quality of opponents that these two teams have played are very, very similar. So I think that in this game with these two matching up, it's going to be a lot more similar then this isn't BYU playing Texas State. I mean, let's say it that way. This isn't BYU playing Troy. Coastal's good. They're, they would win a lot of games with any schedule. This is going to be a tough game. It really is, and I think it. Our, the defense needs to do things. The thing is they don't do – I mean, they don't have a ton of, like, big plays. Like, they'll pop one off, but it's like their quarterback is a freshman. He can get rattled. He, He's so uh, good, though. Grayson he, McCall is one of my favorite players in the country. He is good. He's going to be continue to be very good, um, and he can play. He can do things, and, you know, we're going to – we have to see him – get rattled a little bit, but we also know that it's like, we should be able to run the ball on them and really control the game. And that's, that's honest. That's a similar game that they play. Like he, Grayson McCall plays um, like he, he's obviously their starting quarterback. He started every game, but still even while their offense is very efficient, they, they really focus on running the ball. So it's, I mean, McCall, he's only got 1700 yards and he does have, 20 touchdowns to one interception. So they do throw the ball when they get close down there. Um, but they aren't, you know, they're not dropping bombs, like trying to push, they don't try to push the ball downfield. They, you know, very much are mid region, like they are mid range game, right? Like they short to mid yards throws with him. They do a good job of, you know, they call things around protecting him because he is a true freshman quarterback. And so that, does play well into, you know, where our defense is try to keep everything in front of you and get not get beat over the top. 
because that is their they don't try to do that i think we will see some more aggression we'll see similar to what we saw in the second half of houston and throughout the boise state game from the defense especially if tyler batty is back that's a huge help but really they try to they lean on the run like their leading rusher has 592 yards number two guy has 400 yards mccall has 365 yards himself and then their fourth leading their number three running back has 340 yards um, yeah, and, they're, all, they're, and all of those guys are averaging at least five yards a carry. So yeah, they, they're very efficient in the run game. That's that's kind of that is their game. I mean, their leading receiver, um, you know, is he's good. Javon Heli, man, he's good. Um, I think he has like 690. I think you have the stats like 690 something yards. Yeah. And then uh, the number, and then they have a tight end with 400 yards who's averaging 25 yards a catch. But a that's yeah. But a lot of those is he had a couple big ones. Like he had a 75 yard touchdown, and so that's you know, that's almost a fourth of his yards or that's a fifth of his yards on one play right there. Um, So it's, he, um, so it, they are good. They're very efficient. They're not a, I think they force a lot of turnovers. And so if you look at their, I mean, if you look at their games, right, they, so the, obviously they opened up, they beat Kansas, they beat uh, FCS Campbell, uh, then it's like they stomped Arkansas State. They only they won by three against Louisiana, who's a solid team. They beat Georgia Southern. Hey, Louisiana is more than a solid team, man. If you it's, lose to Louisiana, you manage to get into the top ten. That's so, true. Louisiana it, is legit. Just so ask Iowa State. Maybe we, if we lose this game, we should get bumped up then because losing to a ranked Sun Belt team gets you pushed up. That's um, what Brother Barter has taught us. So, so Georgia Southern. Um, you know, they 28 to 14, Georgia state is a bad, bad team. They speed them 51 to zero stomped out South Alabama, but then app state, the app state game was really, really close until they got a turnover and and scored late, but that game, they, and they had two turnovers in that game that they scored late on. So really it's, they put up a lot of points, but a lot of that is driven by turnovers. So if you protect the football, then, um, if we protect the football, which is something we've done all year, that I think we should be able to control this game. And I think, I mean, they are obviously, they are a very good team that is playing well together, but push come to shove. We are a more talented team. And I, everything points is we are a better team and we should win this game by at least a touchdown. Yeah. There's a lot of the intangible things that are going to go into this game, right? Like BYU has got to travel uh, multiple time zones. That's always a struggle for the Cougars and it's a struggle for anybody. Like it, it's tough to do uh, the short week of preparation. It, it's probably a net zero, right? Because coastals also has a short week of preparation. So I'm not really that concerned, but it is a factor. BYU will have one less day of practice than coastal will. Uh, similar yes, to what yes, happened. Yes. And no though. Cause they, cause yesterday coastal practice in the morning, preparing for Liberty, okay. we so, didn't practice till night, but we we're focused on coastal. And there you go. so we did have that. And I think, I mean, yeah. And I think, I don't know how heavy of a practice they will do on Friday. You know, maybe they're probably going right. to walk through. So it's, I think it's kind of a wash where we pick up that practice, but we're also traveling. So I think the game prep is going to be sure once you factor in the travel. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, so there's, there's a lot of those kinds of things. Um, it'll be interesting, man. You're right about turnovers. Uh, the turnover margin, I think that uh, Coastal is, I'm checking it right now. Yeah, they're plus eight in turnover margin. That's tied for fifth in the country this year. They they force they don't force a ton of turnovers, but they force a couple a game. Uh, they, they've got 17 game turnovers um, each uh, or on the year, so about two per game. 
uh, and that's a big deal. And they don't turn the ball over hardly at all. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a huge thing to watch. Um, they've forced six fumbles, which I think is, is really kind of a, I don't know, that's like a big number to me. Does that it, seem like a big number? Like that feels like a, they've gained, not forced, but they have picked up six fumbles. So of their 17 total turnovers, six of them have been fumbles. I don't know why that just feels like a, a high ratio. Anyway, maybe I'm crazy, but coastal is good. They're efficient on offense. I could go through players, man. I, I love Grayson McCall. I really think he's a stud. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. He's just entertaining. Uh, you mentioned his 360 some odd yards on, on the ground. He's fast. Like he, he is a true dual threat. He wants to throw the ball, but when he runs, he's fast. Like it's even different than Zach Wilson. Like when, when Grayson runs, you look at him and you go, Oh, that's a running quarterback. When Zach runs, it's like, Oh, that's a quarterback who can run there's it's subtle, but that's a difference. And, and Grayson McCall can run. The linebackers are going to have to have a, a big game. I, I agree with you that there should be more pressure on the quarterback. What I'm interested to see is if there, that actually equates into more blitzing, though. BYU should have a very, very clear uh, advantage in the trenches. Coastal's offensive line, while effective, they're not dominant by any means. They're not intimidating. Um, and I think that guys like Tonga should have a huge game. Uh, El Bakri and Daw, like they should be able to get what they want. If Batty's playing, that should, you know, that's a big boost. So I think that, I think that BYU should be able to get pressure on the quarterback. But given what Coastal wants to do on offense, where they're where they're content to take that that short passing game, that mid range passing game, I think the BYU's linebackers have to stay home. Otherwise, this has the makings of a USF game from last year, where they just run for six yards a pop and then take little five yard, uh, little short curl routes and little crossing routes. And just, you know, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. What's interesting, BYU doesn't give up big plays. They don't want to give up big plays. Coastal doesn't care. That plays right into what Coastal wants to do. They're not going to try to get too many big plays. So it's kind of a strength for strength there. And I think that the the advantage ultimately lies in, at the trenches. So we'll see what BYU does. They, they should get a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups, those defensive linemen against, um, I would imagine that, that, that Tonga is getting doubled on every play. Coastal center is small. He's like 5'9", 280. Like he's a small guy, Sam Thompson. Uh, so there should be an advantage there. So I would imagine that Thompson gets help from a guard. And so everybody else will have a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And hopefully BYU wins those. That was the biggest difference in that Houston game, right? It wasn't some crazy exotic blitz scheme all of a sudden. It was that Zach Dawes started, started to win. And right. I think that should happen right away. And that's something too that's continued since then. And we saw it the entire time against Boise, um, who had a very similar kind of offensive line. So pulling up their PFF grades, you know, Grayson McCall, we talked about, he's their highest ranked player in the country. He's a true freshman quarterback and his PFF rating is a 91.4. Like he is dang good. And then those three, um, Javon Hiley or Heli, however you say it, is he's 85.7. The tight end is 84.4. And then they've got the three running backs who are the leading rushers are still are all in the 80s. So it's they have some guys at the skill position, but then you get down into the offensive line and it's, um, you know, you get down into the offensive line and it's hot. Their best, highest rated offensive lineman it, starter is a 78.9. And then you get down to 
the neck, the other guard is a 67. And then you get down to the center is a 62 and the tackle one tackles a 62 and the other tackle is a 56. So it's, they have weaknesses along up front and the offensive line should get home. And especially that's something playing with a spy something we've done all season, especially we've seen it the most coming from Max Tooley. Um, but that is something like, that's what app state pretty much they app state was getting pressure with three guys and a spy. And that's, they got pressure and kind of forced McCall to get out of the pocket and get moving. And he, and he kind of, he didn't play super great. That App, game. App should have won that game. Yeah, they it really, was, it was bad turnovers late that killed them. But right. App had that game won that to the point that I, I stopped watching because I thought it was over. Yeah. And I, so pulling it up um, and looking at, let's see, look, like McCall finished that game. 12 of 21 for 200 yards and two touchdowns. And then Coastal, they ran for uh, 169 yards. But of those, they had a 62-yard, one running back had a 62-yard carry and another one had a 48-yard carry. And they also had a 75-yard touchdown. So of their 369 yards of total offense, uh, did they have a defensive touchdown too? I'm trying to remember. I think yeah. they ran a fumble back, right? Yeah. Um, they may have, let me pull it up. So they, yeah. So they had 369 yards of total offense. 184 of that came on three plays. Yeah. And so, so, so the app limit those apps right. kept them very contained. And that was just, they got home with three guys. They got pressure with three guys and then they spied McCall and just basically they ate up throwing lanes for him and he couldn't feel comfortable. Um, so, now, can we can we change gears just a little bit? What the hell is a Chanticleer? It's like a mythical. Oh, and they did have a thing. So they just to go back. So they app was in the lead at the start of the fourth quarter, twenty three twenty one. Coastal scored with two twenty four left, and went for two, didn't get it. So they went up twenty seven twenty three, and then had a pick six with a minute twenty left in the game. And so that's why it ended up being 34-23. But it was very, very close. Um, so Chanticleer, so Coastal used to be part of the, it used to be a satellite campus of South Carolina, the University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks, who their mascot is also a rooster. So Chanticleer is like a rooster. It's like a magical rooster from like fairy tales. Okay. Okay. Now we're getting into my territory here. A magical rooster? Yes. Yeah, so oh, I love says, this. So if you look at Google Chanticleer, the definition is a name given to a rooster, especially in Chanticleers or in fairy tales. What on earth? It, oh, it's from can a magical rooster from, do for you. So it is from the uh, Chaucer's from the Canterbury Tales, which is very important collection of tales, fairy tales in terms of the development of the English language. Oh, it's actually pronounced Chanticleer. So they have that on their website. But Yikes. on on the coastal website, they have um let's see the Chanticleer comes from Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. More specifically, he comes from the Nun's Priest's Tale, a story within the Canterbury Tales. The Chanticleer is a proud and fierce rooster who dominates the barnyard. For the best description of Chanticleer, we turn to Chaucer's words. For crowing, there was not his equal in all the land. His voice was merrier than the merry organ that plays in the church, and his crown crowing from his resting place was more trustworthy than a clock. His comb was redder than a fine 
than fine coral and turreted like a castle wall. His bill was black and shone like a jet, and his legs and toes were like azure. His nails were whiter than the lily, and his feathers were like burnished gold. With all of his splendor and great looks, Chanticleer is also greatly feared and mightily respected by all. So, oh, um, damn. So it that- used to be, so on July 1st, 1993, USC Coastal Carolina College became Coastal Carolina University, splitting from the branch of the University of South Carolina and becoming their own independent thing. And um, then that is, you know, how they became the Chanticleers is because they wanted a mascot that resembled the Gamecock. I love it. Uh, the, the, a magical rooster. What would you do? Okay, you have a magical rooster who can crow like better than a church musical instrument. What are you doing with a magical rooster? I mean, I, I could think of a use for like, uh, I don't know, like come up with any other mythical creature. I'm trying to think of a college mascot that's a mythical creature. A gamecock, um, a hokey, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's I a can, turkey. I don't know. Right, is a I just I just don't know. Well, I'm thinking more like a demon deacon, a a dragon, a demon deacon, like Uh, those things. The Blazers, the UAB Blazers. There we go. Yeah, like those make sense. But a magical rooster. I I don't know what to do with it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love. What did it say? That it's the the king of the barnyard. Like, give me that. I sign me up for that all day long. And I submit that if BYU loses this game. Um, we should have to have a Chanticleer somewhere at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Like we should have to have a roaming chicken on the field at all times as punishment for losing this game. Because it would be a magical rooster that loses this game, that ruins the great season. I feel like we would have to, it's kind of like the curse of the goat, right? Like like the Red Sox or the, 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 the Cubs. Um I think we'd have to have a chance to clear until we could rid ourselves of this magical demon rooster. So to me, this game's really important because of what a Chanticleer is. If you Google just Chanticleer though, and this makes it feel way less cool. Apparently there is a musical ensemble named Chanticleer, Chanticleer, excuse me, named Chanticleer. Uh, it says Chanticleer is a full-time male classical vocal ensemble based in Sa- San Francisco, California, founded in 1978. It is known for its interpretations of Renaissance music for which they were founded, but a wide repertoire of jazz, gospel, and contemporary classical music. And the picture is just a bunch of old dudes who sing. So I guess they're not old, just a bunch of dudes who sing and nothing against people who sing. If you want to sing, sing. We love singers. But for a mascot of a football team, I got to tell you, it does feel a little less intimidating when you Google Chanticleer and you get a 12 people, 12 grown men wearing tuxedos, learning that they sing gospel songs. Like that's, that's not as cool. Yeah. I mean, I do think I do have questions for whoever designed their logo. Um, I see one Chanticleer that I, I I'm just pretty prefer- sure is Trump. Oh, that's weird. But they, I don't know how they did this. No, but I'm, uh, no, I'm talking about the Coastal Carolina logo. If you look at it, it, there are some interesting things going on in the face region, and I don't know who designed that or what their inspiration was. But once there you may see, be, it, you can't may, unsee maybe some it. genitalia there. Uh, yeah. Um, 
but so anyway, it's this is an emergency episode, and so we're cutting it. it it's quick. It's quick hitter, but it's this is a good team. We can't overlook them. I think the game plan, you know, obviously the coaches were up all night prepping for them, and I'm sure they, the coastal coaches as well, were doing the same thing. Um, but it's you know this, and there may also be some questions in the in the coastal locker room about what's happening because their coach is linked to the South Carolina job, and you know he's one of the targets there. So there may be, you know, some questions from their side of you know how botting guys are or whatever. So it's I think BYU wins this game. I don't think I don't know that it's like a I don't know that it's a Boise type beatdown, but I think you know, they win this game. And I think the game plan was set by app to keep him contained. And if you get the freshman quarterback rattled, he's going to play like a freshman quarterback and, you know, all of their strengths play into our strengths, which basically comes down to nobody has been able to stop Tyler Algier all season. And nobody's been able to stop Zach Wilson all season. And I don't think that's going to change this week. Yeah, I agree. I think BYU wins. I think BYU covers their, but this isn't going to be a, a blowout. This isn't, you know, Zach Wilson's going to play four quarters. Like I could say that with a, a high degree of confidence that he will play all four quarters in this one. They're good. Uh, look, I'm a big fan of the Chanticleer. I just tweeted out from our official give them hell pod account. The picture of, as I look into this more, I mean, it absolutely looks like Donald Trump, but I don't think that it was intentionally Donald Trump. So I'm a little bit confused by that. Maybe it is. Oh, yeah. As I, I read no, the background. It that's definitely to... supposed to be done like him. Look at the hair. That is. Now, I know, but at first it didn't, you know, I couldn't find any like context, but now they're mocking him. This isn't, this isn't us making a political stand. Maybe I should delete the tweet. It's just a, it's a funny picture. It looks funny. This is what a Chanticleer is. I'm going to go find some coastal Carolina gear because I'm officially a fan. And now I feel like there is a connection. I'm going to wear this magical rooster proud, well, loud and proud. Their new university president is a BYU alum. Yeah. They, he's Ezra Taft it's Benson's like nephew or something. Grandson. Yeah. Grandson. So it's, we love the Chanticleers. We are happy. This game is happening. Hold, hold on. Hold on. You're getting ready to wrap up. I can see it in your face. Uh, Ezra Taft Benson, his grave is in like, I can't remember Franklin, Idaho. It's in this little tiny town just across the Utah, Idaho border, mm-hmm. like North of cash Valley. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I've been there. And right alongside his grave is a stool. So you go into this little Nowheresville cemetery and you have this stool, like it's a little like footstool that apparently people just go and sit and they think of President Benson. I don't know, but it's conceivable. The reason I'm telling you this story is that the man who made this game happen, I can't remember his name, but Benson. uh, Matthew Benson. Matthew Benson. The that it's possible that he had this realization that this game should be played. He should find a way to play BYU while sitting on the stove or the, the stove sitting on the stool at president Benson's grave, just pondering. And that this was actual revelation given to him by his grandfather, who was the prophet that said, Hey, make this game happen, son, grandson. You know, I, I mean, can, I can get on board with that. And for all we know, it's like, because he doesn't actually take, over until january so he's like the president elect or whatever right now he doesn't take over until january so i think it probably you know that's very well could you know until we might have been there until it is proven otherwise we're rolling with that as the story 
Yeah, and what we've learned with this Wyanon trend is that as long as you say it and nobody can immediately disprove it, then it might be true. Yep, I think that's definitely that's definitely it, and no one can refute that. And I think we will. Dev pro- I assume we will definitely have a post game show on this on Saturday yeah. night, recapping. Yeah, we have to, and it's, it's going to be a fun game. And I'm so glad this got done. And it's the weirdest part of this was how both schools doubled down that it was. You know, yeah, that, that was that the, you. You nailed it on the head. That that is a a G five coach saying, "Hey, I'm not interested in that job at South Carolina. I'm not interested in that P five job." And then they go ahead and they take that job a week or two later. That was exactly what that double down was. That was a, "Hey, no, we're playing Liberty, but also no, we're not." We should give Jake Edmonds credit at KU TV. Uh, he broke the story, and then Coastal kind of mocked him. We don't know what's air quote being reported, but we're planning on paying, playing Liberty. Right. Uh, he, he deserves some credit because he went public with this first. We right. talked about it on our board. Uh, we we dropped hints, right? But we were not, he just ran with it and he and went these good for him. Multiple sources have confirmed, right? Like it's, it's oh, so yeah. that it's, was full he, journalist and right, all the he, credit in the world. Doubled down on it, went public and, you know, good for him. Um, and he kind of, you know, caused a firestorm within the college football world and he got Liberty and Coastal both to make a statement on it, even though everybody and their dog knew that Liberty was not going to be able to play. And I think we have, you know, also heard that had Liberty been able to play, I think ESPN, the plan was for ESPN and BYU to step in and say, okay, Coastal, how much money, like, what is the buyout on this contract? Like, I think either way, this game was going to get played, whether Liberty had a mess of positive cases this morning or not, which they did. I mean, they had like their quarterback was out. They didn't, their entire defensive staff was out. They had a bunch of other players that were out. Like it was, not going to play that. And it was to the point where even coastal fans were saying like, we don't want to play this game because we don't trust Liberty to be forthright with their positive cases. And, you know, we don't want something to happen with our program going into the Sunbelt championship game when we're potentially looking at a new year six bid. If we, well, you know, and, and from Liberty's perspective, uh, they may enjoy sitting and watching this game a little bit more. So I think they're okay. And on that perfectly, perfectly subtle joke, if you let he who hath hears to hear, let him hear. Uh, let's, you know, let's go give the Chanticleers hell this weekend. Give them hell.